go to the other side. What a great two weeks we've had. This series is about hearing a word from the Lord and doing it. Specifically, when fear and anxiety come against you, still standing strong and doing what the Lord says. Because when the Lord told the disciples, go to the other side, they would have made it had he calmed that storm or had he not calmed that storm. There was a word from the Lord, go to the other side. Now he's so good, he stepped into the boat, made a difference, calmed the winds and the waves, showed him a little something. And I love what Pastor Brittany brought up two weeks ago. I'm going to bring it up one more time here. The Bible says they were afraid because they weren't considering what they had just seen earlier, which was Jesus feeding over 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a few fish. What were they considering? The storm. They were looking around. Think about it. They were feeling the wind. They were feeling the water splashing up in their face. They were feeling their feet being submerged in the bottom of the boat. I don't know if you know, but supposed to keep the water out of the boat, right? But they were feeling something different than what the word of the Lord said. They were feeling all the signs were pointing to we're going down. All the signs were pointing to this isn't going to work. All the signs, what they could see, touch, taste, feel, were pointing somewhere different. But they had a word from the Lord. And as a believer, we walk by faith and not by sight. What are you considering? Are you considering what you see? Are you considering what's in your face? Are you considering the, your feet getting wet, the socks getting all soggy? Are you considering everything that you're feeling? Or are you considering the word of God? Are you considering what you've seen in the past when he's come through? It's so important. It's so important. That's what I'm going to get to today to finish that message I started last week. Last week, we talked about when fear and anxiety face you. You know, first thing I want you to remember and the first thing that helps me remember is that that's not coming from the inside of me as a believer, right? In the inside of me, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says that on the inside made of power, love, and a sound mind. There's no fear in there. There's no anxiety in there. Fear and anxiety uh, might be something I've experienced in my flesh. In fact, I have. I talked to you last week about part of uh, a testimony where I've had to face anxiety in my life and, and overcome it through the word and face fear. Fear and anxiety are, are, are an attack. They come from the outside if you're a believer and you can let it in. But here's the goal. Don't let it in. Reject it. James uh, 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When you resist the fear and anxiety, when you confront the fear and anxiety, you can't overcome what you don't confront. Face it, resist it, confront it, and overcome. Resist and confront, and you'll overcome. How do you know if you confront, you're going to be all right? Because what you got on the inside of you is power, yeah. love, and a sound mind. That's where we're going to start today in a moment. I'm going to break those things down. What is exactly does it mean to have power, love, and a sound mind? It sounds good. Those things sound good, but just like the word, uh, every part of this, there is something deeper than just the print we see on the page, right? These words are alive. They're living. The Holy Spirit inspired every word in here, and there's so much we can pull from it. So we're going to focus on that power, love, and a sound mind. Because when you resist the devil, when you resist the fear, when you resist the anxiety, what does the word say? That Satan goes around 
like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The next verse talks about this. So lay your anxiety down. Why do they go together? Because that cat, remember, he's only like a lion. So he's more like a little kitty cat, right? Unthreatening. He's been declawed. Uh, I'm not for declawing kitties. I think that's not the nicest thing. I don't know much about animals, but I've heard people say that, right? Uh, But he's been declawed. He's been declawed. He's been detoothed. He has no power. I kind of picture him like one of those, um, I think there was a James Bond villain that had a cat. It was like, it had no hair. It just looked like a little weird minion and the, the guy petted it a lot. And I can see that picture of a little, somebody said it's Austin Powers, not James Bond. We should not talk about that film here in church. <laughs> Must have only seen the previews for that one. Anyway, this cat looks really, really unthreatening. It's, uh, it's got nothing threatening about it. That's more like what the devil looks like. But he wants to fool you into thinking he's a roaring lion. And what does he feed on? Fear, anxiety. So lay that anxiety down. Because the old saying goes, if you feed the cat, he's going to keep coming back. If the cat is on your front porch and you give him a bowl of food, he'll be back as long as he's getting food. Don't feed this clawless, toothless, unthreatening cat. You are the one that has the authority. He is not a roaring lion. He's trying to fool you into thinking that. Don't feed him. He'll go running. Resist the anxiety. Resist it. Resist the fear. Confront it and overcome it. A good way to confront it is with somebody you trust. It's with somebody you know is for you, and it's with somebody that knows the word, right? Don't just go to anybody and say, I'm facing some anxiety. I'm facing some fear right now because some people are going to jump right into it with you. Oh, yeah, it's hard. It's rough out there. How are you going to do this? Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't look like there's much hope. No, you find a person that is filled with the word of God and that knows who they are in Christ and say, listen, I'm facing something. I, I need somebody to stand with me. That's why we have each other. We don't go to church to make God smile. We don't go to church because we got to walk in these doors on Sunday to go to heaven. We need each other. We need these moments. When I was 15 years old, I needed to be in this building, worshiping God, hearing a word from him. Speak to me. Direct my life. This is the best way to confront anxiety. Get with somebody you trust. Go to the word. Resist it. Confront it. And you will overcome because you have a spirit of, do you know it yet by heart? Let's try to say it. A spirit of power love and a sound mind. One more time. You ready? Power, love, and a sound mind. That is so good. All right, so let's talk about it. The reason we're able to resist, not because we're awesome, it's because Jesus is awesome. The reason we're able to confront, not because we're big, strong, no, because the spirit within us The Holy Spirit is big, strong, and filled with all the power that was inside Jesus. The reason we are able to overcome fear, anxiety, and anything else the devil throws at you or anything else this world throws at you is not because of anything we have done, but because of who we are in Christ, because of that power, love, and a sound mind. I mentioned this last week, so here's where we're going to jump back in. That word power in the Greek uh, that, that it would have been written down in is this word dunamis. And I like that word because it is where we get the word dynamite, 
right? Words have pictures that associate with them. The power on the inside of you, it's not like a little spark. I, I know we sing these songs, uh, and I, I love this song, and we sang it, you know, in children's church, and we've even sang it here before on a Sunday with this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. I love it. It's true. We got a light on the inside of us. We need to let it shine, right? But that power on the inside, it's a little bit more like dynamite. It's a little bit more like dynamite, which brings a kind of light with it, but it's an explosion. It changes the situation in a moment. The thing about dynamite, if you can picture it, and I know some people are picturing uh, the Wile E. Coyote kind of dynamite, right? Some of you are seeing this message in cartoon, right? Some of you have really seen dynamite. Some of you are picturing some kind of movie. We've at least all seen a depiction of dynamite if we haven't seen it in person. But here's a little picture for you. It, everything looks one way, right? A, a wall is standing. It's strong. You can see all the bricks. They've been put in the right place. You see the mortar in between them. This wall's in order. It's holding you back from somewhere. And you put this little stick of dynamite in front of it. And you light that fuse. And then in a moment when that power goes off, all of a sudden everything looks different. All of a sudden that wall's not standing anymore. The bricks don't look like little rectangles. They're crumbled in little pieces. It changes everything in an instant. It's not a little flash of light. It's not so much a light that we can hide under a bushel. You hide it under a bushel, the bushel's going to also blow up, right? It is power on the inside of you, more like dynamite than anything else. It's the same power. It's the same power that was inside of Jesus. It's the same power that when the battalion, the legion of Roman soldiers came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He never drew a weapon. He never drew a weapon. They said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He said, I am. And every one of them fell down because of the dunamis dynamite power that was in his words. I am. And notice that story. It wasn't, uh, if you remember that, somebody did draw a weapon. Peter uh, drew a weapon. He pulled a sword out and cut somebody's ear off. And I love that Jesus just calmly put it back on, right? That's one of my favorite parts of that story is Jesus just probably rolled his eyes and picked up this ear and just placed it back on because he knew the power wasn't in the sword that Peter had and probably some of the other weapons that the disciples, I imagine they were all packing, right? They were a rough bunch of guys. But that wasn't where the power was. I am, and the entire legion of soldiers, the entire battalion, maybe a, a legion might mean something specific, like thousands, however many soldiers it was. I heard someone say up to 40. Up to 40 soldiers could have been in the garden, and every one of them fell down because of the dynamite, dunamis power on the inside of him. It's the same power that when he breathed his last breath on the cross, uh, the whole earth shook. The graves opened up. And we get this great verse that doesn't really get much elaboration, but it's something fun to think about. And maybe you want to go read it for yourself. But it says the graves opened up and many saints who had died walked the earth again for a time. It's pretty crazy, right? The same power that when he breathed his last breath, the temple, uh, the curtain in the temple that separated the Holy of Holies from the, from, the, from the holy place, it split in two from the top to the bottom by itself because of the power that was in Jesus. And then three days later, the power that rolled the stone away, that brought life back to a lifeless body, 
to change that lifeless body into something new. That is on the inside of you. That is on the inside of you. Yet this defeated enemy shows up at times and puts fear and anxiety in our face. And instead of remembering who we are and what we have on the inside, we cower down and we offer this meal. We offer this meal to this, to this defeated enemy. You got so much more power on the inside of you than he has. You got so much more power on the inside of you than this world has. Dunamis, dynamite power. One of the definitions of this word in Greek here, I want to read the actual definition of, of this word dunamis, a force, literal force or figurative force, specifically miraculous power. So when people would use this word 2,000 years ago, they would specifically talk about miraculous power. In other words, power you don't have in and of yourself in the flesh. Power, strength, I like this one coming up, violence, right? Not violence in the sense of I'm strong and I'm going to punch you. Not violence in the sense of, uh, of pointless violence, but violence in the sense of the story we get here. Uh, this might not sound like it goes together at first, but it will. Just hear me out. In Mark chapter 5, we get the story of the woman with the issue of blood. It said she had suffered, uh, if you want to follow along, this is Mark 5, 26 through 29. There was a woman, she had suffered many things from many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straight away the foundation of her blood, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So she had uh, a flow of blood. She'd been bleeding for years nonstop. She had spent a fortune on, on doctors and she was probably told the same thing over and over again. This isn't going to get better. There's no cure for this. But she heard Jesus was coming through. She knew he had something that she had never experienced before. She had heard about this power on the inside of him that could heal things that had a diagnosis of you will never be healed. That she had heard about this power on the inside of him that could shake the heavens, that could raise the dead, that could do whatever. And she had to get to it. And this crowd had pressed around Jesus, but she pressed a little harder. She pressed a little harder. She pressed a little harder. And that word press, when you read what it means, it means to force. It means to suffer violence. Jesus said this. He said, the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. So it's not so much like I'm throwing punches, I'm throwing elbows. It's this picture of pressing in even if everything is fighting against you. It's this picture of pressing in even when the world or the enemy is putting blockades in your path. Don't forget, when we read scripture and it says you have authority and, and, and the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force, it's not talking about natural enemies made of flesh and blood. What, did, what does the word say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. Will people stand in your way? Probably. Are there bad people out there? Probably. But remember, remember that it's, it's not so much them you need to be concerned about as the powers that are working through them. That's what Jesus spoke to when he looked at Peter, his friend, 
and said, get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine that? Man, if, can you imagine Jesus looking at you and it, it seems like he's calling you Satan? That's, that's a rough one, uh, right? That's a rough one. But in Matthew 16, 22 through 23, Jesus, it said, had just speak, started speaking plainly to the disciples about what he was about to go through. He had just started plainly saying to them, you need to know what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed. But that wasn't the whole story. But don't be afraid. I will come back. I will return. As he began telling them plainly what was about to happen, it says, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Jesus knew what he was supposed to do. He knew the will of the Father. Peter was coming against that. So not directed exactly at Peter, understanding that he wasn't wrestling there with Peter, but the power that was working through him. He was seeing things from a human's per per perspective. Get behind me, Satan. Listen, there's times we got to be bold. There's times that, that maybe we might look like a fool in front of somebody else, but we need to step in boldness and say what the word says. Because if somebody is coming against you and their words, or, 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 or there's a blockade being put between you and the word of God, you got to press in. You got to press in through that because you then have the choice to take the word by force. Are you going to stay standing? Are you going to put up a fight? Or are you just going to lay down and feed this defeated enemy? Don't do it. Press in. This lady had everything fighting against her. She had a doctor's, several doctors diagnosis fighting against her. She had history fighting against her. How many of you have history fighting against the word of God in your life? She had history fighting against her. She could look back at her life and she could think and see, well, I've always been this way. It's hard to see a change when you've only ever seen it one way. But you can do hard things because you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You are made to do hard things. You are made to do impossible things. So don't be discouraged. She had doctor's reports fighting against her. She had history fighting against her. She made it to where Jesus was. And what did she see but a giant crowd pressing in towards Jesus? Her only option was to press in harder. Her only option was to fight harder than the rest of that crowd. And she got there. She got to just the, the hem of his garment. She had a picture of it. Don't forget she had a picture of it. If I could just get to the hem of his garment and touch it, I'll be healed. Even when history is fighting you, even when a doctor's report is fighting you, even when fear and anxiety are facing you and it can be crippling, get a picture. Get a picture of where you're going. And if you got to crawl to get there, crawl to get there. If you got to fight to get there, fight to get there. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight. You've heard me say it before. If you've ever been here, probably even two times, it's only a good fight because you're going to win if you don't quit. That's the only way you can lose as a believer is if you throw in the towel and quit. You just stay standing. Paul even said it when you've done everything else. Stand. When you've done everything else you can do, just stand. Get behind me, Satan. That's rough. But remember, you got dunamis power on the inside you. If you can't get a picture of anything else 
other than the power on the inside of you that changes an entire situation in a second. It changes an entire situation in a moment. That's enough. You know how dynamite works? There's a fuse. You see the, uh, the casing, right? It's usually you picture it red and uh, there's nitroglycerin, I believe, on the inside, right? But the fuse doesn't go down and, and just light that nitroglycerin by itself. There's a smaller explosion that happens first. The fuse burns down. There's a smaller explosion at the top of the dynamite. And that smaller explosion at the top ignites all that nitroglycerin, filling up the rest of the dynamite. When you can get a picture of where you're going, when you can picture what the Word of God says, when you get a picture of what is on the inside of you, it might just seem like a little small explosion, but let me tell you, it is igniting the Word on the inside of you, and there's a much bigger explosion coming than you could ever muster on your own, right? But the Word says that it works according to the power at work within you. Get a picture of where you're going. Get a picture of overcoming that anxiety. Get a picture of what the other side of that fear looks like. And it may just seem like a small explosion, but let me tell you, it's lighting up the word on the inside of you, and it can change any situation faster than you can even imagine it because it's greater than you could ever ask, think, or imagine when that power works within you. That's what that power means. That's the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind on the inside of you. So that's power. Let's talk about love for a second. The word love in this verse is the word agape. There's all kinds of different, there, there's five wor different words for love in the Bible, and they all have limitations except for the word agape. That is a limitless love. That is how the love of God is described. There's no condition to it. It is limitless. It is perfect. And we hear from John, 1 John 4, 18, such love, God's love, agape love, has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. It casts out all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Expel is an action word. Cast out is an action word. It can give you a picture of a little bit of this violence that it says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You gotta cast out fear and anxiety by force if you have to. Perfect love is great, and you might get a picture of, you know, like the hippies. It's all peace and love, and, and, and that's true, right? There is peace and love, and, and love is beautiful. This particular love also has a bit of an action to it that might not just seem all peaceful and perfect, because sometimes this kind of love involves you casting out yeah. and expelling the fear and anxiety that are coming against you, and you have to do it. So many times we probably catch ourselves praying, Lord, please take this away, his answer is, I already have. You, please, get rid of this. Right? So many times we find ourselves most likely praying for things we already have. Lord, please take this fear, this anxiety away. And he's saying, I already have. You have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind within you. I've given you these tools. I've given you these tools. You got to do it now. You got to take action. Faith without works is dead, right? You got to put some action to it. Put some action to it. Cast out that love. Cast out that fear through love. Agape love, perfect love will cast it out. You got to get this truth. You got to take hold of this truth as a believer. We've all made mistakes. We've all made failures, right? We've all experienced failures. 
But the punishment for our sin was given to Jesus one time, once and for all. He has taken the punishment for our sin. God does not punish us for our sin. Do you know who punishes us for our sin? Sin. Sin punishes us for our sin. Sin's got some built-in punishments. It's bad. It leads to death. You shouldn't do it. We should all do our best to not fall to sin because we will experience punishment, but not from God, from our sin. That's sometimes what we get twisted. Lord, why are you doing this to me? He's like, oh my gosh, I'm, you're doing it to yourself. I heard somebody say one time, I think the devil takes notes on some of us. He's like, man, you are really hurting yourself. I don't even think about doing that to you, right? Sometimes we're more cruel to ourselves because of our bad decisions. But thank God we're overcomers and we can change it in one second and begin to make different choices. So, so many times we, we fall and we, we see fear, we see anxiety, however it's facing us. Maybe we lose a job, we're worried about finances. Maybe uh, we're, we're starting to experience symptoms like I'm getting sick. If we can get rid of this thought, I deserve this. If we can get rid of this thought, I'm sure God is mad at me. Uh, he's, he's putting this on me. No, 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 no. That's not what the word says. If we can get past this thought that we somehow have earned or deserve what we're going through, according to 1 John 4.18, that's the at least beginning of casting out fear and anxiety through love. Because of God's agape love, he placed the punishment for anything we've ever done on Jesus. And all he's doing now is, is uh, pouring out his love on us every minute of every day. And we can find victory in that when we know on the inside of us there is perfect love, power, agape love. And here's the last one I'm going to talk about today. Well, it's the last one, a sound mind. Sound mind gives you the, uh, the picture of peace. It gives you the picture of uh, a mind at ease, not torn, not tormented. And that is all a part of it. But again, there's a bit of a deeper meaning. There's a bit of a deeper meaning. The word sound mind is the Greek word, this is a good one, sophronismosis. And I said it exactly right. Don't even question it. <laughs> and the first definition for this word is the word discipline. Right? The first definition is the word discipline. When you talk about grace a whole lot, which I believe all of us as believers probably should, but some don't. And when you talk about grace a lot, one of the things that comes up is is uh, people have this idea, well, what are you just saying? People can do whatever they want and they don't have to try their hardest to, to follow the Lord and to, to follow his, his ways and to cast out sin and unbelief. And, and, and there's just this idea, like, what are you just saying? People can do whatever they want. And, and, and it's like, no, I'm not saying that. Like Paul said, he said, God forbid. God forbid I would tell people to go do whatever they want. Saying that God has forgiven us, loved us, and put a punishment for our sin on Jesus, there's no part of that that says, now go do whatever you want. In fact, it puts, if you want to be honest, a little more responsibility on us to, 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 to go after the things of God, right? That's, what I, that's the way I see it. But to say you've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, the first definition of this word sound mind is discipline, self-control. That's a fruit of the spirit you got on the inside of you. You have self-control on the inside of you, whether you've experienced it on the outside or not. And figuratively, this word sound mind means discipline, correction, to teach, to be sober. Teach, to be sober. There's an element 
about this sound mind that basically gives you this idea that there are times our mind might begin to, to think the way the world thinks, but we have the power to renew our mind to the word, to discipline our mind, to get it back into order based on what the word says rather than what the world says, and to be teachable. A mind that is teachable is part of this idea of what a sound mind is. In other words, when we face or experience fear and anxiety and maybe we give into it a little bit, maybe we fall to it, we have a mind that is then built to be renewed to the word of God, to learn what the word says about us, and then to overcome that fear and anxiety and to continue to grow, be teachable, so that if there's ever a new trap thrown out in front of you, we can renew our minds we can be teachable, we can learn, we can be disciplined, and we can overcome it every time. I have a friend I reconnected with a couple years ago, and he was here at church with us for years and years. And man, we walked through things together. We did life together. We saw powerful testimonies together. I'm telling you, he was here during a time when our uh, our, our, I was about to say pews, but we've never had pews. Our chairs were filled with some of the roughest people you could ever imagine coming in here, literally off the streets, and I'm being literal here, straight from Gaston County lockup in their jail uniforms, sitting here on Sunday mornings, and their lives being changed instantly. We saw testimony after testimony. We walked this together. And, and, and some stuff happened in his life and he moved away and kind of gave up on some of the some of the, the things that we used to do. Some of gave up not I don't know if he gave up on the Lord, but he definitely kind of just went the other way for a while. And we reconnected and we're sitting in my office and I was saying, hey, do you remember? Do you remember when this person came in? She came straight from jail and and, and remember that first day she was here? He didn't remember. So do you remember how her whole life changed? Do you remember how their whole family began to come together? He goes, no, I haven't, I haven't thought about that in years. I said, do you remember when that person came here and got healed? Do you remember when that person got set free from that demon at the front and, he, and all this happened? I was explaining the situations that we lived together. He did not remember one of them. I'm sitting here telling him his own testimonies. I'm like, you did that. I remember you leading the way on this. He's like, I don't remember. He didn't remember, and I, that was so sad. But, you know, he was telling me about his last 10 years of life. He wasn't living as an overcomer. He had given in to a lot of things the world had thrown at him, and he, was, he had a rough decade. Am I saying it, wasn't, it was because he wasn't here? No, because you know what? You can do this on your own outside of the walls of a church. You can remember the Lord's testimony. You can remember your testimony. You can renew your mind to the word. You can keep your mind disciplined. He just didn't. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. He didn't remember his own testimony. I was reminding him, but how many times do we allow our mind to become undisciplined? Do we see what's in front of us and all of a sudden the fear and the anxiety look bigger than the word? Do you know what you do when that happens? You go back to the word. Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform to the way the world thinks, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's going to the word. That's remembering your testimony. That's disciplining your mind to the things of the Lord. Don't forget all the things the Lord has said. Don't forget the word. Don't forget your testimony. And allow your mind to become a place filled with, uh, I don't know, cobwebs and, and confusion and, 
and, uh, and fear and anxiety. You can reject it. Resist it, confront it, overcome it. What gives you the power to do that? The spirit within you. That is power, dunamis, dynamite power. Love, agape love, perfect love that expels and casts out fear and anxiety. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. Stop praying and saying, Lord, get rid of this fear and anxiety. You cast it out. The spirit within you, power, love, and a sound mind. Yes, it is peace. It is a mind at rest. It is a mind that's not played by confusion and torment. It's also a teachable, disciplined mind. Again, you got to do it. Dynamite power, you got to light that fuse. These all three things have this in common. Dynamite just sits there, unactive, until you light the fuse. How are you going to light that fuse? We'll start with getting a picture of what the other side of that fear and anxiety look like. For me, years ago, it was simply just going out in public. I had to get a picture of going out in public, hanging out with friends, eating food and not getting sick. I had to get a picture. The other side, it lit the fuse. It caused at least a small explosion that lit up that word on the inside of me. I had to do it. I had to get that picture. Power of power, love, cast out that fear. Another action, your part. And a sound mind, another one, action, teachable. A mind that learns, a mind that is disciplined, your part. God has done his job. Satan has no power, no authority, but he will stick around like a stray cat if you keep feeding him his favorite meal, which is fear and anxiety. Cast it out, get rid of it. I don't think there's, there's not much more. There's not much in here more often than this phrase, do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous, you'll hear all throughout the Bible. You could say, hey, don't be afraid, right? But instead, let's say the other end of it. Be strong and courageous. I've given you the land. Fear stopped the Israelites from entering the promised land when they already had the victory given to them. Fear has crippled people since the very beginning. Don't let it cripple you. You got something better and different on the inside of you. Power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? I'm going to invite the band up. As they come up, I want to speak something over you. Uh, I'm going to let them get up, and then I want to give you a word. I know that that was a word for you. You can take what the, what the message that was just given this week and last week, and like a seed planted in your heart, it can grow and bear fruit. Uh, but there's a little something different to this one. I want to I wanna speak this over. This is like a, more of like a, a right now in this moment, I just felt the Lord say yesterday to me that this would mean a lot to every person in the room. I'll start with a, a short story. My daughter is in a musical right now at her school. She is playing Sebastian the Crab in The Little Mermaid, and she is by far the best Sebastian the Crab ever to exist. Y'all should come to this if you want. It's at Gaston Christian. There's one more weekend of, of Little Mermaid. And I'm telling you, she's so good. I'm going to post a video at some point, and you should watch it. She's going to make you want to come see her. She's great. She's, she really excels at music and, and theater. And uh, Friday morning was opening night, or Friday was opening night, 
and it's a lot of demand on, on, on your voice to be in a musical. It's a lot of demand. Ava uh, and Judah, my kids are leaders. You guys are all leaders, if you didn't know that. I've spent every day of my children's lives telling them, you're a leader, not a follower, the head, not the tail, above and not below. They know who they are. And uh, Ava's a leader, wherever she's at. And I uh, was reading. They were getting ready for school Friday morning. And... Um, they got good treatment Friday morning. I made Ava a couple of different hot teas and my specialty cheese toast. I made some cheese toast. And uh, it's one of the two or three things I can make. It's mostly because it's part of a sandwich. I'm good at making sandwiches. Uh, and, and I was reading it, as they were getting ready, and I was reading the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 plus um, with just a few fish and a few bread. And as I was reading, I just heard the Lord say, this is for Ava Jo. You need to read this over her. And I didn't know exactly where he was going with that, but I read her the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And uh, I'm just going to, well, you know that story. I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but here's the story. Here's the paraphrase. Jesus had been teaching for a while, and there was a huge crowd of people all around him, and they needed food. And uh, that's not the easiest thing to provide food for probably close to 10,000 people, right? 5,000 men is what the word said. So women and children at least think probably 10,000. That's not easy. That, that takes some planning. That takes some purpose. And if those 10,000 people were to leave that moment and all go try to find food somewhere, that's not very likely either that's going to happen. And this was a big deal. They needed to eat. And uh, Jesus tells the disciples, well, feed them. They said, how can we feed them? We only have a few fish and a few loaves of bread. He says, take what you have. He took it, he blessed it, he gave thanks for it. They began to give out the fish and bread. And do you remember what happened? There was 12 baskets of leftovers. So each of the disciples had a basket. Each of them, all 12 of them are walking around giving out fish and bread and it just didn't stop. And when they were done giving out fish and bread, they brought the baskets back and they all still had fish and bread in them. There was leftovers in every basket. Now, as I was reading this to her, and she knows that story, I just heard the Lord say, uh, sing your heart out for every performance. And at the end of every performance, you're going to have plenty of voice left over. You're a leader. Help every single person in that production if they need help. Give everything you got away. And at the end of the production, you'll still have plenty left over. Don't be afraid. You're going to give it all away. Uh, serve every person that you're around. Even if you got your own stuff to do and your own stuff to prepare. Help them. Do their makeup. Whatever you got to do. Help them with their wardrobe. Sew the sequins on whoever's dressed. Give all you got. And I'm telling you, at the end of every night, you'll have plenty left over. Plenty. Because when you give, when you give, and it's Holy Spirit inspired giving, when you're listening to the Lord, you're never going to give until you have zero. Zero just doesn't happen. Zero just doesn't happen for a believer. You're never left with nothing. If you're left with nothing in the natural, you still have a wealth on the inside of you that can feed 10,000 people with a few fish and bread with more left over. So as you stand, I want us to stand and worship. And as you stand, I want to speak that word over you. Whatever that means to you and wherever you're at, maybe you're thinking of your job. I've given all I can give. I have nothing left to give. Here's the word for you. Give. Keep giving. You're going to have more than enough. Maybe it's your marriage. I've given all I have. I've given all I can. Keep giving. 
you'll have plenty left over. Maybe it's another relationship with your kids, with the loved one. I've given everything. I'm done. I quit. Don't quit. If you don't quit, you win. If they, the only way those people weren't going to get fed is if the disciples stopped giving out that fish and that bread. That was the only way it wasn't going to happen. Keep giving. Keep giving what you got on the inside. Your promise is that you will not be left with nothing. That as you give, you will have baskets and baskets of leftovers. I know that's a bit of a, it's a bit of figurative language. It's a bit of a metaphor. But I know it's speaking to you in a, in, in, in a unique way. It's speaking to every one of you in a unique way. and you're like, I can't do anymore. I feel like I need to go get this degree, but I, I just don't got it. I'm telling you, here's what the Lord's saying. Do it. You can do it. You have plenty, more than you know, and you'll have leftovers. That's a word for you. I want you to read that story this week. I want you to read that story. There's a great depiction of it as well in The Chosen. Lisa and I just watched that. I think it was Friday night or Friday afternoon. After I read that to Ava, Lisa had just pushed play on The Chosen. That was the episode, and it was awesome. The Lord was definitely speaking that to us, and I heard him say, speak that over you. Listen, if he's told you to give, if you're giving away what he's given you, you won't be left with nothing. You will have plenty to meet the need and baskets and baskets of leftovers. Amen. Let's respond to the word with a few moments of worship.